part four chapter two of the gentleman and lady's book of politeness and propriety of deportment this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. The Gentleman and Lady's Book of Politeness and Propriety of Deportment by Elizabeth Selnar. Part 4 of Propriety as Regards Other Circumstances. Chapter 2 of Duties Toward the Unfortunate. Propriety, the guide of all our relations, cannot remain a stranger to the unfortunate that which takes possession of all our sentiments cannot forget to pity it is in this light that it is peculiarly touching that it is almost religious since it even contributes to bind closer this first this powerful tie of humanity section one of duties toward the sick infirm and unfortunate when any one of your acquaintance is ill you should regularly send a domestic to inquire after their health every day or every other day according to the virulence and nature of the disease if there is immediate danger we should send to inquire even twice a day from time to time you should send to know whether the sick person can see anyone because in that case you must go and testify in person all your interest you should continue to obtain information about their health until their recovery or death our visits to the sick should be very short silent and reserved we should address to them words of interest in a low voice and speak softly to the member of the family who takes charge of them we ask him who is his physician what is the treatment we urge every motive of consolation and hope we ought hardly to reply to the questions the person in attendance asks with regard to our own health or business and we retire reiterating the proofs of our interest if the person is convalescent or only indisposed you address a thousand questions concerning their complaints you sympathize with them praise their patience and describe to them the pleasant image of returning health you must be on your guard not to say that you find their features much changed that their recovery may be slow etc to speak these truths is very mal apropos and with reason you would pass for having an unfeeling heart or rather a limited understanding when sufferings and troubles assume a virulent aspect and resist all the efforts of medical skill they are infirmities indeed and a silence the most absolute and rigorous with respect to them should be observed not only ought you never to speak to an infirm person of his misfortune but you should also carefully avoid mentioning any person who is afflicted in the same way 
and of thus alluding indirectly to his own case the only occasion when this is allowed is where you can make it appear to him that the comforts of which he is deprived are not so permanent but that you have experienced similar inconveniences from the same cause thus to a lame person you might say that you yourself are fatigued with walking that your own legs are not firm etc if the infirmity is not too visible and the poor subject speaks to you of it assure him earnestly that you should not have observed it if he complains to you offer him motives of consolation and take care that you change the subject of conversation before he does for you might make him think that you are importuning him about his malady finally do all in your power to comfort him if he is afflicted with imperfect sight place objects near him but without affectation and without having the air of making him think that he requires your assistance neither permit him to thank you if he is troubled with deafness you must not speak unreasonably loud bring back the attention of the unfortunate person to the subject of your conversation by skilful and delicate transitions and not abruptly say to him we were speaking of such a thing this is much trouble perhaps you will say trouble to console people why you take more to please them persons who are reduced in circumstances keep up in their misfortune at least in society their habits of opulence and to manage with such persons requires not a little skill if they invite you to their frugal repasts if they offer you any presents let not the fear of occasioning them expense induce you to refuse with warmth and with obstinacy you would wound them deeply accept them and seek an opportunity of repaying with interest these proofs of their politeness do not speak to them first of their sad situation but if they introduce the subject themselves receive their confidence with a respectful and affectionate attention show how much you are affected with that which grieves them and without forgetting discretion endeavor in appearance at least to render them confidence for confidence section two of funerals and mourning when we lose any one of our family we should give intelligence of it to all persons who have had relations of business or friendship with the deceased this letter of announcement usually contains an invitation to assist at the service and burial on receiving this invitation we should go to the house of the deceased and follow the body as far as the church we are excused from accompanying it to the burying ground unless it be a relation a friend or a superior if we go as far as the burying ground we must give the first carriages to the relations or the most intimate friends of the deceased we should walk with the head uncovered silently 
and with a sad and thoughtful mien relations ought not from considerations of propriety to give themselves up too much to their grief you will owe a visit to persons who have invited you if you have not been able to accept their invitation if you have attended the ceremony then they are the ones that owe the visit at an interment or funeral service the members of the family are entitled to the first places they are nearest to the coffin whether in the procession or in the church the nearest relations go in a full mourning dress it is not customary at paris for women to follow the procession and nowhere do they go quite to the grave unless they are of a low class a widower or a widow a father or mother are not present at the interment or funeral service of those whom they have lost the first are presumed not to be able to support the afflicting ceremony the second ought not to show this mark of deference there are two kinds of mourning the full and the half mourning the full mourning is worn for a father mother grandfather grandmother husband wife brother and sister it is divided into three periods footnote several of the particulars which follow are not observed in this country End footnote. for the first six weeks we wear only woolen garments in the six weeks following we wear silk and the three last months we mingle white with black half mourning is worn for uncles aunts cousins and second cousins the first fortnight we wear black silk and the last week white mixed with black custom requires that a woman should wear mourning for her husband a year and six weeks while that of a widower is only six months this difference which may appear singular is founded upon reasons of convenience and social relations in the three first months of mourning for her husband a woman wears only woolen garments the six first weeks her headdress and neckerchief are black crepe or gauze in the six following weeks they are white crepe or linen the next six months she dresses in black silk in winter gros de naples in summer taffetas headdress white crepe the three last months she wears black and white and the six last weeks white only the morning on the death of a wife is a black cloth coat without buttons footnote it is not the custom among us to dispense with buttons End footnote dark shoes woolen hose black buckles and a sword knot of crape if the person carries one at the end of six weeks we may wear a black coat with buttons black silk hose silver buckles and a black ribbon upon the sword the half mourning of the three last months is a black coat 
a sword and silver buckles white silk stockings and a sword knot of black and white it is altogether contrary to propriety to select for yourself at the shops the articles of mourning to have them made in your presence or to make them yourself and for a fortnight at least and sometimes even for the six first weeks ladies ought not to sew even while receiving their relations and intimate friends so much are they supposed to be depressed by their affliction during forty days we do not leave the house except to go to church it would be very improper to visit dine out or go to any assembly during the first morning when this time has expired we make visits of mourning and go out a little more but we cannot yet appear in public promenades at spectacles or balls we cannot sing even at home it is only at the time of half mourning that we resume by degrees our former habits of life for ten days at least after the death of a very near relation it would be very reprehensible for people whose profession recalls ideas of pleasure as musicians or dancing masters to return to their employment in full mourning we should wear neither curls nor perfumes to be present at a funeral or even to look at one passing are forbidden at this time attending a funeral service other than that of a relation is equally prohibited excepting during this period it is impolite not to attend when invited to the funeral service of your acquaintances you should appear there in mourning at the funeral service as well as at the interment the male relatives go first and then those invited the female relatives go next and are followed by other ladies if we marry a person who is in mourning we put on black the day after our marriage the time preceding is reckoned as if the mourning had been worn on the contrary if we ourselves are married again at the time when the death of a relation by our former marriage requires this sombre dress we leave it off immediately since our new union annuls the former alliance visits which are paid to persons in mourning are called visits of condolence in making them we observe silence and never inquire about their health this would be out of place a gentleman offers them his hand a lady embraces them even though they are but slightly acquainted we refrain from conversing on too gay or personal subjects if we are at a distance we testify by letter our sympathy in the misfortune which afflicts them their grief cannot excuse them from answering us but it is not immediately necessary with this subject we shall conclude our treatise of politeness hoping that having arrived at this point our readers may say 
without any doubt the work is full and methodical we shall not dare to flatter ourselves with more but this is enough for it is being sure that our labor has been useful we trust then that we have rendered an essential service to youth in making them acquainted with these rules which have become so necessary in truth politeness on which at the present day we pride ourselves is a virtue which we ought never to renounce since it gives to the intercourse of life that sweetness pleasure elegance and charm which can be truly felt only by those who possess it as the intellectual madame lambert has said politeness is the desire of pleasing those with whom we are obliged to live and in a manner causing all around us to be satisfied with us superiors with our respect equals with our esteem and inferiors with our kindness end of part four chapter two end of the gentleman and lady's book of politeness and propriety of deportment by elizabeth selnar recording by lucretia b